0: The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. We're in week three of our refocus series, which is about our... uh, Four pillars of Jesus Worship Community Mission It's also about our mission statement as a church. Why do we exist as a church is the whole DNA of, of why we are here. Our mission statement, by the way, is that we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. And the reason that we're like, taking the time to do this in August is because it's so very important. It's not just because like, it's on the banner behind me, and so we have to keep talking about it, but because we believe that uh, that Jesus' worship community mission is sort of like if you take the Christian life and you boil it down to its very elements, we believe that's one way. There might be other ways, but that's one way you can express like the core deal of what it means to be a Christian. Um, some of the people who know me pretty well, particularly the guys and my wife, uh, joke that I might be a little bit high maintenance. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand the, uh, but I just say I'm, I have good taste or I'm a little bit picky about certain things. But uh, you know, I like, I'm really picky about coffee. I like, I order it special order and you know have that you know shipped to me. And there's some other things I'm picky about, but. Uh, one of the things that I, I have is I have these special vitamins that I take, and they 're not as expensive as the, uh, the the stuff that jamin takes but uh, I have these special vitamins that I take, and they 're kind of expensive and The reason that they are expensive they say and this all well, by the way could all be a load of crock I will admit this but the the reason they say that they 're expensive is that they didn 't just like take like chemical vitamins and throw them all in this pill they said they took like fruit and vegetables that have these vitamins in it and they cook them down and distill them like all the the vitamins that are in the carrots and the peas and all the stuff they 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 boil it down and somehow it fits into a little pill so as I'm saying it this sounds more ridiculous uh I don't know why I'm wasting my money on this because also you just turn around and you pee it right back out but um (laughs) You know, regardless, I, I, I order these vitamins and I pay more because they say they take the whole, the whole fruit and the whole vegetable and they boil it down into its very elemental deal so you can take these vitamins. And I believe if you don't have these four elements in your Christian life, that you're not building your life around these four pillars, these four building blocks, Jesus, worship, community, mission, your life is going to be deficient. In fact, you, if you're not building your life around Jesus well, I mean, you're probably not a Christian, right? If you're not building, your, if your life is not a life of worship, if you're not growing you're in your life of worship, if you're not living in community, if you're not living on mission and growing in those arenas, then either you're not a Christian or your Christian life is very anemic at, at very best. When I, when I was growing up, my sister, uh, she, she would get anemic and she, uh, she, her face would get this kind of like yellowish tint and she would lose she wouldn't have any energy and she wouldn't be hungry and then my mom would purchase this stuff called sss tonic anybody ever heard of this stuff it was basically like they melted down like iron bars and poured it into a a bottle. It's the way, and it tasted like that. It was terrible. And we hated it when my sister would get that way because then we would have to take the stuff as well. And my sister would take the stuff and it's just like liquid iron. And then all of a sudden, like her energy would perk up. She would get hungry. So like everything was like, and if you aren't building your life around Jesus worship community mission, your life is going to be anemic. You're going to be deficient in your life. And that's why it's so very important. But not only is it important personally, but it's important as a church. Jesus Worship Community and Mission isn't just the building block of your Christian life, nor is it just the building blocks of our little church plant here. It's the building blocks for the church, capital C. It's so very important. If one year from now, uh, and as a church planner, I like, these are the kind of things that I fantasize about. I fantasize about, you know, if what if one year from now, this place had five, more, five times as many people as today? That'd be pretty cool, right? But if a year from now, Jason's like, no, I had to put all those people in community groups. But if, five years from, if one year from now, we have five times as many people in this room, but we as a people aren't growing and building our lives around Jesus, worship, community, and mission, then what we'll have done here is a failure. Because it's not about building a crowd, it's about making disciples, And that's what we're about. Last week, Jamin served us well by talking about how important it is for us to build our lives, uh, to be growing in a sense of worship, to understanding that all of my life is worshiping, I'm always worshiping something and that I forget. And so therefore I have to be constantly reminded of the gospel, the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ and that awakens worship in me. The week before last, I talked about Jesus and uh, tried in my in my weakest sense, to try to paint a picture of the fact that Jesus Christ, the God, if you're a believer this morning, the Jesus that you worship isn't just the sweet Jesus with the the lamb around his neck like you see him in like the watercolor pictures and the Thomas Kincaid painter of light pictures that might be hanging up in your dining room. But the Jesus that you love and serve and worship is God Almighty who holds the world in the palm of his hands. He created the universe and he holds it into very being at this moment. And so no matter what the culture around us looks like, no matter how much it may look like our team is losing, we are playing for the winning team. Our captain is the captain captain who wins the battle in the end so we can live and serve him and worship him and join him on his mission of making disciples with great confidence and excitement, knowing that Jesus Christ is the victor. And this week, we're going to be talking about community. So let's pray and ask for God's help, and we're going to roll real fast. Oh, Father, I, um, I need your help this morning. I am weak and I am poor Uh, My desire is that we would see in your word, in your truth, uh, the importance of community, what it's it's about, um, why it's so important. Father, I pray you would open our hearts and minds to you and your spirit this morning. I pray it wouldn't be my words that are communicated, but it would be your word. Father, I pray for each person here. We come in from different backgrounds. We come in from different experiences this week. Father, I pray that you would speak to each one that was here, right exactly where they are, and that we would leave here knowing, not that Randy spoke or the band pl- sounded good, but we would leave knowing that we had been with you. Glorify your son, Holy Spirit, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. There are some, there are some fears that, uh, or problems that are easier to share than others i 've shared with you guys before, and this, I feel a little bit emasculated when I do it i don 't know that 's very hard, but I feel little, when i when I admit that uh, I have a like a a really really strong fear of heights like really really strong fear of heights, and I say heights i don 't mean like 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 mountaintops, I mean, like a ladder height. Like, if I get up there and I start to get a little, a little woozy. My wife complains that we don't decorate our house for Christmas. And I'm like, have you ever seen my roof? It's like a high pitch. I'm like, there's no way in heck I am getting up there and doing anything. Like, I don't know. Sandy'll have to pass us by and they'll just think that we're the Grinches in the neighborhood. I don't know. I cannot get up there and do it. So I feel a little bit masculine when I share it. But it's, it's okay to share, like, I'm afraid of heights. I'm also afraid of roller coasters. Uh, boy that that feels embarrassing to say out loud but 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 it's like, it's okay to share things like that uh, this like we also there's some things that we like to share with other people like when somebody asks hey how you doing and you're like oh man i have just been working too hard you know, that, that's like, that's something like easy to complain. I'm, I'm so tired because I've just been, I've been working too, too hard. I, I've, but what, what's your greatest weakness in life? I'm, I'm just a really, really hard worker. I'm just, I'm always at it. Like, oh, oh wow, that must be terrible. It's, it's easy to share that kind of problem. It's even like, there's not quite the taboo that used to be about, um, uh, being disappointed or even depressed. Like, uh, it might be a little bit embarrassing, but to say, hey, I'm depressed right now, or I deal with depression, has less of a stigma around it. I think one of the things that most, that's most difficult to share is that I feel lonely. That I deal with loneliness all the time. And I think it's hard to share, this is just my opinion, is because if I admit that I'm lonely, it's like I'm admitting that I'm the smelly kid at school. You know who I'm talking about? You you remember the smelly kid at school? If you don't remember the smelly kid, it might have been you. It, (laughs) it, it, It might very well have been me. But you know that kid that nobody wants to talk to, nobody wants to be around, the, the awkward one that has that weird odor and just like they find themselves ostracized from the, from the crew, from the group. They can't find any sort of group to fit in with. And I think that it, if we, we feel that if we admit that I'm lonely or I deal with loneliness or I feel alone in life, I'm kind of admitting I'm a little bit of a loser. But over the last 10 years or so, Sociologists and psychologists have observed a huge uptick in the number of Americans that deal with a deep sense of loneliness. I'm not talking about who you occasionally like, you're at home alone tonight and you feel lonely. I'm talking about a deep and abiding sense of loneliness. There have been some studies done. uh, In fact, many experts today describe. The issue of loneliness in America as an epidemic of loneliness. There's a, this thing called the UCLA Loneliness Scale. Did you know that existed? You can write that down and impress your friends. It has, about, uh, has uh, some 20 questions on it that ask people about uh, their sense of closeness to people. Uh, questions like, how often do you feel close to people? And the, a recent study that was done using the UCLA loneliness scale says that as many as 30% of Americans, 30% of Americans don't feel close to people at a given time. In a survey published by the AARP in 2010, slightly more than one out of three adults ages 45 or older, so one out of three adults ages 45 or older reported being chronically lonely, chronically lonely. Lonely. That means that they've been lonely for a long time. A decade earlier, so in 2000, only one in five people over the age of 45 said that. In a face-to-face survey, over a quarter of the people said that they have no one that they can talk to to share about their triumphs or struggles in life. Over 25%. And then when you take family out of the mix, the number doubles to over 50% of people said they don't have anybody in their life to share struggles or triumphs with the interesting thing about this is that this is at a time when we are more connected than ever before right now sitting in your pocket or under your chair or the thing that you're secretly looking at while I'm talking which is fine I know it I know it happens you carry your phone and it connects you with the rest of the world It connects you with all your network of friends on all your social media uh, outlets. We are more connected. We know what's... If I ask you, hey, what's going on with your friends right now? You can tell me who had a birthday party and where they went yesterday and where people eat. We know know what's going on in our life. And yet, somehow, at the same time that our rise of connectedness has happened, also there's a huge rise in loneliness in America. Uh, This is just my theory. This isn't anybody's who, like, has been trained in this thing, but my theory is that one of the reasons that it's sort of, that I think our our connectedness breeds a greater sense of loneliness, because let's be honest, if you're sitting at home or uh, in your car or at work, and you're looking at your computer or on your phone, and you're just scrolling through, seeing all the cool stuff that people are doing. It's sort of like a window to see what all the cool people are doing and what a loser you are in life. And there's a whole other, anyway, there's, there's a whole another phenomenon about how the the. the Picture that we paint online is not the actual picture of our lives. A lot of the people that you know who you think are living awesome lives because you just see all their awesome Facebook posts and their posts on Instagram—it's staged. It's not really quite as great as they make it out to be. But that's a whole other point altogether. It shouldn't be surprising. The more we get connected, the more we feel alone. Because I think we've all experienced at some point that you've been in a crowd, maybe you've been at work. At school, and you look around, and there's tons of people around you, but you still feel alone. You feel lonely. Being alone doesn't make you lonely, and being with people doesn't kill loneliness. That's because we need, as a people, as human beings, all of us in this room, we need to know people deeply and be known by people deeply. We have a deep and abiding need and drive and desire to know people deeply and to be known by people deeply psychology has just recently been discovering, so the last like 20 or so years, um, the personal and health effects that loneliness has on people. It actually has actual physical health, physiological health effects on people. Uh, scientists have been tracing how our bodies respond physiologically to seeing, uh, they, they did this study where they showed, you, showed people a bunch of pictures of people they didn't know or Objects that weren't people, and then they showed you a face of somebody that they knew, and they had the people hooked up to all these machines, and they discovered that a chemical is actually released in your body when you see somebody that you know and recognize that is similar to the kind of, type of chemical that's released whenever you eat food whenever you're hungry. We are literally, as a people, starving for community. We are literally, as a people, starving for community, which makes this prayer and the passage that Kate read for us this morning, that Jesus prayed, so incredibly interesting. Here's Jesus. He's facing down the barrel. Death is getting ready to happen. This cross is coming. He knows it's coming. And what we have recorded here in John chapter 17 is called his high priestly prayer. It's the it's the, the longest, most personal prayer that we have recorded that Jesus did. It's the prayer that he's praying to the Father right before, it's the last recorded prayer we have before the Garden of Gethsemane, but it's right before he's heading to death, and it's the prayer that he's praying in preparation for that. He's getting ready for that. And a huge theme in this whole passage, not just the passage that Kate read, but the whole chapter 17, is he prays like he does, and look in verse 22 and 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. When we see the glory of God, when we see Jesus talk about it, he's, he's talking about when God goes public with his nature and character. And what he's saying is, God, you have displayed to the earth your nature and character through me. And he's speaking not only the life that he's lived, but what is coming now in the cross that, here's the reason that the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one. Here's the reason. I'm, praying, I'm, doing, I'm doing all this. I'm praying this prayer. I'm going to the cross. I've displayed your glory to them. I'm leaving, and I'm going to send my spirit to dwell with them. Here's the reason, that they may be one, even as we are one. Think about that. Jesus is praying that you and I together win our relationships with each other as believers because in this whole section he says, I'm praying this not only for the disciples that are here but for those who will come after me. So Jesus is praying this prayer about you and about me, about us sitting here this morning. He's saying, I'm praying this prayer that they may be one, that they may be in unity together to the same extent that you and I are one. And how, how one are Jesus and the Father? It says that they existed before the foundation the world in perfect and holy harmony and incomprehensible unity together before the foundation of the world, that they may be one, even as we are one I and them, and you and me. That's the miracle. We're going to get into that in just a second. That, again, that here's the reason that I'm going to be in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So that, here's another reason. Why why are they gonna be one? So that the world may know that you sent me. So he's saying, you've displayed your glory to them and I'm giving it to them so that they may be one and I'm giving making them one. I'm praying that you would make them one so that the world may see that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Christian community is the answer for one of the deepest longings of the human heart. That's one of the things that Jesus is addressing here. The Christian community is the answer for one of the deepest longings of the human heart. Healthy relationships far outpace possessions and status as a determiner of whether people are happy or not. When people do surveys, I have healthy relationships with family and friends far exceed I have possessions or status make me happy. And that's because you and I were created for community. You and I were created for community. And that's for two reasons. First of all, because you and I were made in the image of God in the, In the very beginning, when God created man, he said, "I will make them and I will make them, them that 's man and woman, all of mankind. I will make them in my image." and we think about the nature of God himself, and this is something that we can 't comprehend before time began. God existed right we can 't get our head around that already i 'm if you can get your head around that, then you should be preaching. You should be like the Pope because nobody understands that, but God existed before. We even existed, and not only that, but forever and ever and ever without end, going backwards and forever and ever, ever, going forward, if you can even use the kind of words about eternity, God has existed in three persons. Now that should blow your head because it, I don't even, I can't even explain that to you because it is incomprehensible, but one God, one God we worship, one God has existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so before time even began, God existed in community inside himself. There's a theological term i like to throw out because it makes me sound smart, but it's called perichoresis. And all that means is that, is that for all of eternity, God has lived in this sort of happy dance in himself where God the Father is glorifying and enjoying the Son, and the Son is glorifying and enjoying the Spirit, and the Spirit is glorifying and enjoying the Father, and forever and ever throughout all eternity, God has been somehow, and we can't even understand it, enjoying his perfections in himself and glorifying himself in himself. It blows your mind, and so when God created mankind, he created us for community. He created us to know and be known by God, and then Think about this, not only did he place man in the garden and man was in charge, he had the run of the earth, he, was, he was, had a job, he was over all of creation, he was naming the animals and God looked down and he said, it's not good that man dwell alone, therefore I will make a helper for him. So that has to do with marriage, but it also has to do with just general community. It's not good for man to dwell alone. We were made to have community with God, and we were made to have community with each other, to have deep, meaningful relationships with each other, to know and be known by God, and to know and be known by each other. God created Adam in the garden, incomplete, though perfect, needing someone else. And he has created you Imperfect, needing someone else. We need community. It's hardwired into us. We want to know and be known because it's what we were made for. Yet it's interesting because the very thing that we that we want, we 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 desire community. We desire to know and be known. We desire relationships and, and yet it seems so elusive, doesn't it? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have a track record of failed relationships, whether they're romantic relationships or friendships. A lot of us in here, probably all of us in here, have at some point contributed to the failure of a relationship, and all of us have experienced it to some extent. The very thing that we desire, we desire to know and be known, we we keep fouling it up all the time. I get frustrated with myself because... um, because I'm a terrible person, and Megan and I will go on a date, and I'll be like, man, we're going to have a nice time, and we'll be having a really nice time, and then at some point in the day, not every time, but I would say a good, a good percentage of the time, I will say something absolutely and utterly stupid, And it's and the whole like nice, smiley, awesome time that we had together up to this point as a couple all just kind of falls apart and just kind of unravels at the very end. You ever experienced something like that? No matter how much I want relationships to work, I leave a, a carnage of broken and destroyed relationships behind me. Every single step that I take. I desire it more than anything, but I keep messing it up. That's because what we see happen in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, they lived in perfect harmony, and then when they disobeyed God and ate of the fruit, all of a sudden that harmony that they had with God, where they walked with him in the cool of the day and had perfect unity with him, and they had perfect unity with each other, all of a sudden it was destroyed. And they hid from God and they lied to him. And then they blamed each other for what had happened we see the effects of sin brings a brokenness in my relationship with God and then in my relationship with other people. So that no matter how hard I try to have a healthy relationship with you, we're like two North Magnets that no matter how close we try to get, we start to push each other away. There's a barrier between us that sin brings. That's why the more and more communication we have with each other, the more messes we tend to make. Because the more that you can communicate, with, I mean, have you ever sent something super stupid off on Facebook? Like made a, made a reply, a, a comment on a post, or you, you got frustrated with something and you, you threw off and you had to go back and delete it later on, or Twitter or Instagram or somewhere along the way. Like The more and more chance we have to communicate, the more and more chance we have to actually drive a wedge between us and other people. Because we can't help it. Even though we have this great desire and deep desire for community, we have this deep marring and brokenness that comes from sin that keeps us from being able to actually connect with people at a truly and deep level. That's what Jesus is praying for and made possible in this prayer. It's, it's a uniquely Christian form of community. You may have experienced community about being a part of a a team or living in a dorm with somebody at school or having a group of people that you share a lot of common interests and and, uh, background with. But what Jesus is praying for is a uniquely Christian brand of community that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world outside of Christianity. Because... You and I, if we're trying to find friends, we're trying to find somebody who's like us and like we share a point of view and we have some common interests. And so I'm segmented off to the people that are like me and the people that aren't like me. All of a sudden, like, I don't, either don't understand them at best or I vilify them at worst because I don't understand them. What Jesus is talking about is a uniquely Christian brand of community that tears down that dividing wall between us and makes two people who are from totally different backgrounds. It's why the other elder at this church is a avid Gamecock fan, and I love him, and I live in close community with him. And even after the first few years we were to, when we were friends and the Gamecocks kept winning and winning, I could still be friends with him no matter how irritating he got about the whole issue. It's how, how that different people, and you and here, like you've met me and you're like, hey, I have nothing in common with him. But yet somehow there's a unique brand of community that exists between two believers. I've gone to India. I didn't speak the same language. I didn't have the same background. We shared no kind of point of view, no kind of common history. And yet I sat down and lived with, for a week and a half with a man and his wife and his kids. And we had community with each other. We had a common bond with each other that went deeper and further than somebody here in the states that happens to be a white southern high maintenance dude who is a natural friend of mine because a, there's a deeper level of community. It's uniquely Christian. What we're talking about is that two believers in Christ find, that's a key word, we find that we have unity with each other. We don't forge unity with each other. We don't make community with each other happen. We find when we sit down with another believer. I, about, uh, I guess, 12, 13 years ago, uh, I sat down with uh, the guy in Conway who uh, we were just having kind of get to know you lunch, and we started talking, and we had nothing in common. He was from Pittsburgh. He was kind of, uh, he liked, like, uh, um, like the, the first action, like, role-playing like games on, on, the, on video game stuff. He played, um, he played, like, Pokemon and things that he, he, didn't, he didn't get sports. Did, we had nothing in common. He was a skate. Like, we had nothing in common with each other. And I, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, wow, this is a nice lunch. We'll never have this again. But in the lunch, we discovered, we found that we had a unity that went deeper than our common interests. And I'm the godfather to his kids today. And we've shared a relationship deep and long and abiding for that time. We, as believers, we find that we have a deep unity with each other. Even those people who would normally confuse and irritate us. Christian community is the answer for the deepest longings of the human heart. It alone tears down the dividing wall between us because Christian community alone brings deep, meaningful unity. It's unique in that other, other religions say, yes, uh, we need to be nicer to each other, but it just has like a, some particular code of niceness to each other. Uh, be nice to people, uh, work harder, prefer them, do, serve people, do, do things. But what Christianity says, it doesn't say be nicer and work harder to have relationships with people and be nicer to them. It says we find that we have community with other believers because of what Jesus Christ has already done for us on our behalf. It says we as, believe, we as people have great potential. We have a great desire to have community, but it's marred and broken by sin. And that by trusting in Jesus and his finished work on our behalf, it says that we are remade. It says that there's a new birth that happens when we have that, and we find that we have a common unity, a common identity with each other. Let's roll through this real fast. We have a common unity with each other because of the new birth. The new birth brings a new common background. That's when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We repent of our sins. We place our trust in him, and his spirit comes and lives and dwells within us and makes us into a new person at the very core of who we are, even though outwardly we may look the same. And because of that miracle that happens in our heart, we find that we have a new common background with each other. If you're a Christian this morning, you have a new background. Uh, You might be white and Southern, you might be black and from the North, you might be uh, uh, from the... Right side of the tracks, you may, might be like me from the wrong side of the tracks. You might be country, you might be city, you might be a Gamecock fan or a Clemson fan. You might like soccer, which is crazy. But whatever the coming back, background you have, you and I as believers now share a deeper background. Your background in Christ exceeds the fact that whether you're a white Southerner or you're from, or you like eat sauerkraut on your hot dogs. Lord help you. Your background runs deeper because we share the same father. I don't know what your family background was like or what ethnicity your background is or what area of the country or the world you grow up in. We have a new common identity because we share the same father and the same older brother. That runs deeper and wider and stronger than even race does. We are one new people. When the Bible talks about us being a new people in Christ, it uses the word ethnos. It means ethnicity. It means we are, it doesn't mean that we are, we, aren't, we are ignoring the color differences between us. It says that there is something that supersedes even that, that holds us in common and in unity with each other. We have a new common background. We also have a new common purpose. All of a sudden, whatever purpose that you grew up in life that you were pursuing before, it might have been fame, it might have been money, it might have been success, it might have been status, it might have been uh, people, uh, it might have been sex. Whatever it is that you were, your purpose in life was before, and your purpose in life has changed when you become a Christian in the new birth. Your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And we share that new background and that new purpose as believers but also we share a common destination. You and I will live in different ways five years from now. Some of you will live in a a house much bigger than mine and drive a car much nicer than mine. You might live in a house smaller than mine and drive a car that's not as nice as mine. I don't know where your destination is here, but as believers, rich or poor, northern or southern, we share a common destination at the end. We will all be united with our Father. And every tear will be wiped away. And if you aren't a Christian this morning, and there is that dividing wall between you and God and you and other people, today can be your day. I invite you to find somebody, me or Dale in the back, there's trip back there. Uh, Megan is floating around over here. It's anybody that, that you've seen up front or, or maybe just a friend that you came with and talk with them and pray with them and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and bow your knee to him in repentance and trust his work on your behalf and experience the new birth and the breaking down of the dividing wall between you and the Father and you and other people. We have a common unity because of our new birth, but we fit together because of our diversity. I have to run through this really fast. We have a common unity because of our new birth, but we fit together because of our diversity. (laughs) We all have different personalities. We have different backgrounds. We have different talents, abilities, and inclinations, but that's what makes it beautiful when God brings us together in one body, that we're not one homogenous group of people who operate in group thinking, we all think alike, and we all act alike, we all dress alike, there should be differences in diversity in the body of Christ. And that's what makes us fit so well together. Because when God breaks down that dividing wall between us and him and us and each other, all of a sudden we can begin to celebrate our diversity. I can begin to celebrate the fact that you think differently than I think, that you have different gifts and abilities than I have. We can all put that together and together as a group, we have a clearer picture of who Jesus is and what he's about. Because I'll be honest with you, I hope that if you watch me long enough, you see traits and characters of, characteristics of Jesus in my life, but you will not get a full picture. But hopefully, if you have a body of people who together are worshiping God and living in community with each other and living on mission for him, And you come into that, and you see the whole body collectively, you get a clearer picture of the beauty and the diversity that is found in Jesus than you do just knowing one person. And the exciting thing about that is that in our different talents, abilities, and inclinations, that's where Jesus exercises his senior pastorship over the church. We've talked about this before. I am not the senior, even if you guys vote on me to come on, Staff and become the lead teaching elder here. I'm not the senior pastor of Doxa Church. Jesus Christ is. He's the head of the church. And he operates his senior pastorship in the body through our different giftings and abilities and inclinations. Together. Not through me, not through Dale and I, but through us together as a body. It's a beautiful thing. We fit together because of our diversity. We have a common unity because of our new birth. But we're held together by growing in the gospel and walking in the spirit. That's the mortar that keeps us together. As we grow in the gospel and walk in the spirit, that's the mortar that keeps us working together as as we pursue truth together and we speak the truth to each other in love that's the mortar that holds us together over time. Because there will be times in the life of the church where somebody in your community group, or somebody here on Sunday morning, or just somebody in particular, it may be me, just rubs you the wrong way. And they irritate you, and you you just, it really gets at you. But as you and I grow in the gospel, and, and you begin to understand that your right standing with God and man isn't based upon your performance, but upon Jesus' performance on your behalf, that also means that John's right standing before the Father isn't based upon his performance. And his right standing with me shouldn't be based on his performance. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on his behalf, so I can trust that in him. And over time, I can see that even though there might have been an opportunity for us to go opposite ways because we sort of butt heads, all of a sudden we find a way to click together that is uniquely Christian. What Jesus is praying for here and providing for in the cross is a wonder. We long to know and be known deeply. And the gospel says that we are known deeply by God, so therefore we can know deeply. And when you see that, and when you experience that kind of community it 's compelling it 's beautiful. It cuts through intellectual objections that people have when they come in hey well who well who, who did adam and eve's kids you know procreate with, and how did that happen and uh, I don't believe in the flood and how did Jesus die and raise again? I don't think that really happened. How could the sun stand still? And all the intellectual objections that we have, all of a sudden, whenever you come into a body of believers and you see them living self-sacrificial lives where so they, they known and they are known by other people deeply, all of a sudden it cuts through those intellectual objections because it's something that can only be explained by the life of Christ at work in our hearts. Christian community is powered by and is proof of God. Christian community is powered by God and it is the proof of God. So you can see why it's so important to settle into a local church And find a body of people, a group of people that you can know and be known deeply by. Because it's how it's a it's a way that you and I experience Jesus. And it's so that, as Jesus said, the world may know that Jesus Christ is real. Jesus said you'll know them by the love for one another. And it's not something that happens automatically. That's why Jesus is praying this real quick and I'll be done so if Christian community is the answer for the longest deepings of the human heart and if it alone brings deep meaningful unity with other people what do I do about that well it means that you and I need to find places where we can know and be known by people You can't discover unity with other believers if you're never around them to discover it. So you need to find a place where that happens. It means that the the gospel so revolutionizes me that I can live in sacrificial, joyful service with other believers. I can find ways to love them and serve them because they're... Because I'm not serving them to get their approval, neither am I serving them to get something back in return, but I'm serving them out of the overflow of what Jesus has done for both of us on our behalf. So the way that we do that here at DOXA is uh, we call it a, a rhythm of life. And we say there's a rhythm of corporate worship on the weekends where we gather on Sunday mornings to worship God collectively and corporately. And then during the week, we... Gathered together in small groups, we call them community groups. It's a place for you to know and be known by people. It's a place for you to discover beautiful Christian community with other believers and to walk in and grow in the gospel with each other. We'll be launching community groups at the beginning of September and i hope you'll find a place to belong and jump in and join in the important thing about it is this see there's no concept of christianity in the bible apart from deep meaningful community and as jesus was praying here there's no true glory to the father apart from deep meaningful unity with each other so a part of the picture is missing And only God can make it. It can't be replicated anywhere else outside of being a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you're in it or you taste it, it's a piece of heaven on earth. In heaven, every tear will be wiped away and we won't be divided anymore. But as Christians, we have a foretaste of that now. That's why it's our task and our honor to individually and collectively live a life of deep, meaningful community with each other. It's powered by God, and it's proof of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you acknowledging that uh, um, many of us have left a wake of failed and broken relationships in our path. Even though community is the deepest longing, uh, one of the deepest longings of the human soul, of my soul, uh, and I desire it more than almost anything Yeah, I keep fouling it up. But in Christ, you have broken down the dividing wall between you and me and between me and other people. And you've ordained that in your church that there would be a type of perfect unity that doesn't ignore our diversity or our differences, but heralds those diversity and differences, but are held together by a greater background than where we've come from and a greater destination than where we think we might be going. And Father, I pray you would make us into a people who live and share in that community. And that you would be the power behind it, there would be no other explanation apart from you and that you would be glorified by it, that you would, it would be the proof that you exist to our friends and neighbors who see and experience that type of community. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.